episode, you know all the rhymes. We've like Madam Stephen and even gathered too. Oh, you know all the words now, come on, sing along. Come on, come on, you. Regular, regular, regular pictures. 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 Regular, regular, regular I've hatched me a little scritch egg. Scritch? They're called scritches now. <laughs> Rolling with it. Scritch was the son of Screech, I think, from uh, Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I should know I'm of Screech. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming to another regular Features Live show at the Canal Cafe Theatre. You may have noticed we've learned to milk the entrance by entering at a slower pace now. <laughs> yeah. I don't like four screams. I don't like being the fourth one in that room. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell whether it's me or being the fourth, but either way is bad. It's not good. You're very far away from us, Joe. Do you want to come in? Well, I like it. Steve's setting off a sort of aura, <laughs> a force field of bad vibes. All right, here we go. Scooch. <laughs> That's Skitch's brother. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the family. It's Skitch, Scooch. Screech. Screech and Scrooge. How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> Hope you're all ready to have a fun time. It's the Regular Features podcast. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Hey, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had two baths today. Each one is a desperate way to try and have inspiration for a feature. <laughs> maybe, maybe if I get wet. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, the readers at home will not be able to hear what you just said, but rest assured, it was very good. It was saucy. <laughs> so you're trying to be kind of an ideas gremlin. That <laughs> yeah, slow yeah. burner, but a good one. <laughs> Makes you think like a tagine. <laughs> you don't want to burn a fucking tagine, mate. Well, it's a slow burner. This. It takes ages to burn. Yeah, it's slow. It's <sighs> logically sound, Matt. I'm not going to get into arguments about slow cooking with you, Joe. Not again. <laughs> Who wants to do a feature? I'll do it. Yeah. This guy gets it. So, is Joe your favourite? <laughs> oh, you got one! I wasn't expecting. <laughs> so as part of the regular features podcast, you always do the same feature every week. What I do. feature is it this week? It's called, Have You Seen What They've Done to Bake Off? <laughs> uh, oh, shit, I haven't plugged in my whoa, phone. Whoa, language, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's a family oh, podcast. Yeah, part cover. This is part of it. <laughs> I saw the Bake Off, and I liked it. I'll tell you one thing. There was a man who had a thing where he put too much... He was talking about putting coconut into a cake, and he said, you can't put too much coconut in the cake. You just keep putting it in until... And the cake is like, oh, no, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> the cake said that. Yeah, he was like kind of motioning as if, like, as if the cake would get to a point where it's like, no more coconut, I'm tired. And I was just like, you're adorable. Thanks oh. for filling. That's not part of my feature. I'm not, I'm not feeling well. Have you seen what they've done to Bake Off? Well, if you haven't, here's how it all started last Tuesday night. Uh, now for a little show you might remember, but not in the place you left it. <laughs> it's Bake Off. Yeast. Everybody loves good yeast. But it's not used in the East. Fiji, China, or Taiwan <laughs> Their bread Is much flatter than our bread That's why the Orient Is shit 
the Bake Off's new theme tune. <laughs> and let me tell you, it only got worse from there. For context, The Great British Bake Off was a tremendously successful BBC Tea Time show about whoever could make the biggest cake. Big enough to blot out the sun and frighten all the horses. Big enough to spear the moon and swing it about like a dog with a sick rabbit and send the world's oceans into a nation-swallowing tizzy. Big enough to make God or Vishnu or Judge Jules or whoever's in charge of this mess look twice at us and say, Bloody Nora, I'm off and I'm taking peaches with me as well. They're the best thing I made, peaches. No peaches for you. (laughs) No one had ever actually made the biggest cake. They just made progressively bigger cakes. But everyone had a pretty good feeling about Bake Off this year. And then Channel 4 came in and bought it and replaced Mel and Susan Boyle and said that the winner could be a big savoury pie. As long as everyone agreed, it's fucked. So anyway, here's a blow-by-blow account of all my problems with the new Bake Off. Number one, one of the presenters is a ghost. (laughs) I did think that was jumping a gun. (laughs) Toxfig's great. Toxfig is sound. Toxfig is proven MOR quality. She makes the one show look like a program where they just say the C word and kick over bins onto homeless people's legs. She's the best. But why, oh why, did they pair her with a phantom Bob Monkhouse? (laughs) The grave has done nothing for the legendary comedian's looks, and of course all ghosts can wear is Elizabethan clothing, so his ruff makes him look really out of place. That's not to say, mm, that's to say nothing of the fact that he kept floating through people's ovens to interview them and making all the pastry scream and deflate. <laughs> but that's not the worst of it. Because ghosts can only be recorded on celluloid, you can't even fucking see Monkhouse if you DVR the show, so occasionally it just looks like Toxfig's gone bananas. It's talking to that big manor house they're always in front of. I'm not alone on this. Guardian critic Janine Watercanoe, it might be, <laughs> might be pronounced Watercanoe, made a really good point in her review, and I quote... We can only assume that the ghost of Bug Monkhouse is responsible for that theme tune, which appears to be the neighbor's song repurposed solely as an attack on the cuisine of the Far East. (laughs) Because he kept pulling funny faces whenever anyone said a French word like ganache and looking straight into the camera and saying, sounds like the number 52 at Mr. Walks down my road. He's old-fashioned and he's dead. Get him off. (laughs) Number two, someone sexually assaulted a baklava. (laughs) Not only has Channel 4 done away with the BBC version's quaint Rethian sections on food history, it's been replaced with some strange show within a show, just because a contestant stuck a dick or a big finger up one of Paul's Turkish treats before the cameras started rolling and he demanded justice. I don't think having a CSI-like mystery during a baking competition works tonally, and I have a suspicion that the whole thing's totally unscripted and ad hoc, because Paul Hollywood looks really angry the whole time, and he keeps (laughs) insisting that ball prints are a thing, and he keeps surreptitiously dusting for them while everyone's trying to make a dozen perfect cheese straws they're probably playing it for ratings too going by the big cliffhanger at the end of the episode when new judge Prue Leith was found dead it's just not becoming number three here is a list of my smaller complaints they keep implying that cat meat is a normal ingredient but never using it in a grotesque show of wealth there are eight contestants but a hundred ovens so half the show is just them getting lost one of the contestants keeps referring to herself as the phlegm queen they run the credits halfway through 
They put a camera in the bin, but Paul Hollywood did a big shit in the bin to emphasize a negative point, and we all saw it from the bin's perspective. <laughs> One of the contestants wanted to use surgical spirit as a flavoring, but kept pronouncing it cervical spirit. <laughs> and they used the sound of someone giving a bad answer on Family Fortunes to, give you a, to tell you that contestants have won a challenge. <laughs> Number four. Then this happened. <laughs> the Pass pan these sound. out. You <laughs> <laughs> won. Very good. Then this happened. We've got a picker, a grinner, a lover, and a sinner. <laughs> Plus that joker, a smoker, a midnight toker, and someone called Maurice Switzwoo. <laughs> it already looked like a bad, boring crop of contestants this year, but I don't th- any- think anyone expected that reaction to asking them to cook a simple loaf of bread. Here's a clip. I'm sorry, I don't mean to come off as silly, but what exactly is bread? I mean, I mean I've never heard of bread either. Did, do you mean a car? Because I can make a car. I can't make a fucking car. Totsvig, explain yourself. I'm just a housewife. I've got a big house and an even bigger husband, and neither of them has ever asked me to make them a car. Look, I wrote Midnight Toker, not Car Manufacturer, as my occupation on the application form. This is ridiculous. Well, speaking as a car manufacturer, I can tell you that everyone around here has already got cars. Well, I don't. Well, everyone around here except that guy has got cars, so um, why do you need more? Why are you being so greedy? There were a lot of, I didn't do all the E's in that. <laughs> when I'm trying to stuff my husband, Huge Martin, through our, comparatively, <laughs> through our comparatively tiny front door every night before bed, that's my duty as a housewife. But making champagne socialist TV producers more cars so they can just take one bite and throw the rest away? <laughs> I don't remember that in my marriage vows. Everybody, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. The riot spread and spread. <laughs> and no hatchback or saloon was safe from Berkshire to Buckinghamshire that night. Seventy strong men remain in hospital, having been burned for looking a bit like a human car. <laughs> the housewife is still at large. And that's why I didn't like Bake Off. Well, that seemed fair. Oh, thank you. I know the coconut bit was good, but beyond that, they the killed rest that, they was that one bullshit. As well. He was the only glimmer of heart in the whole show, and now exactly. he's dead. They took him out the back, bullet in the head. I think the show's cruel. And I, I just love the fact that the bad sound from Family Fortunes is something I could say to my schoolmates when I was in school, and it's still relevant today. <laughs> Sometimes I think growing old isn't a hindrance to making pop culture references at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my feature is going to reference something, two things quite heavily that a good 50% of the room will not remember. So we'll see about that. <laughs> is anyone does anyone want a jingle? Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Yeah, come could on. Get through yeah. without doing any jingles, did you? Can't do that. You can't get away from the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> You shouldn't applaud that. Oh, no, but it's nice that they did. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and now it's time for Steve's regular feature. Steve's... Did someone fart in the audience? I think that was me breathing into this mic with my oh, nose. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Your nose does fart. Yes. Because it was a real Bobby Grumbler. And I was... <laughs> 
Steve's pornography that my father wrote. Oh, fuck nice. Oh, this feature. I love the, this one. People this say there are no new ideas, but... Novelty? No. I don't think you'll ever have come across anything quite like this. Because <laughs> I was going through my father's belongings. He's not dead. <laughs> um, He's just away. Just careless with his keys. <laughs> <laughs> and I came across a, a book, a tome, if you will. Well, it's more of a book. Um, and it was a porno. You could say... It's pornography that my father wrote. <laughs> and I thought, well, this, I could make a very, very long podcast series about this, in which, um, Log, as you pointed out, we, we could perhaps like, run roughshod over the hilarious source material you could, you could use by the constantly p- interrupting it with yeah. uh, me and my mates. With, with your mates of varying likability. <laughs> <laughs> If there were such a podcast about this, perhaps that would be a criticism you might make of it. But alas, there is, is this not. a podcast? That, uh, that so there's a podcast Someone's dad hasn't wrote a porno. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, very, probably the most popular podcast in the UK right now. My dad wrote a porno. There, I said it. I've whipped the veil <laughs> off this feature. And the, and the, and the follow-up, second series two, I made him write another one. Jesus, Dad, please, please still have it. <laughs> so I, I brought along a couple of excerpts from the, my, the dad that my porno wrote. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair. They, they are a little bit more professional Pornography than Pornography is procedurally generating dads. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is going to be a disaster. Uh, this one, the chapter title is just Crab. <laughs> is there is, any, sorry, is there any indication of where in the book it comes, like which chapter it is? This is quite late on, so some of the characters are well established. Spoiler warning! <laughs> some of the language might sound derogatory towards women, but... That's just dads and porno, isn't it? Blame my dad, he's from a different generation. <laughs> <laughs> Strap in! <laughs> he cracked her open as though she were a crab's claw. <laughs> and began feasting on the succulent meat inside as though he were a hungry orphan. You like crab, don't you? She howled in delight as he <laughs> tucked into a real seafood buffet of Fanny. Mmm, <laughs> yes I do. Crab is my actual favourite, said the orphan, who, to be absolutely clear, is an adult man. <laughs> And then the woman says, here, give me some of that crab. And then the orphan says, help yourself, there's plenty to go around. (laughs) And then the waiter comes over and says, are you going to pay for that crab or what? Only you look like you don't have that much money. Well, excuse me, says the orphan, quickening the pace at which he's shoveling fistfuls of crab meat into his mouth. I think the metaphor became real between those two paragraphs. Now they're in a restaurant eating crabs. No, no, I think the waiter is metaphorical too. (laughs) Shoveling crab meat into his mouth like a man who's about to be kicked out of a seafood restaurant. (laughs) What exactly about my appearance would suggest my socioeconomic status? The waiter is abashed at how woke he isn't being. And begins to stammer. He says, oh, I I guessed you had no money because of your grubby little orphan cheeks, which are slick with crab grease and glint in the candlelight like a pair of billiard balls. (laughs) The orphan is livid now and rises from his chair, big chunks of white crab meat tumbling from his lap onto the floor. I'll have you know, he says, pointing at the waiter with a crab claw, (laughs) that I got these ruddy orphan cheeks because my parents died at sea. 
My father was a crab fisherman, and his crabbing boat ran into my mother's crab research vessel. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, as soon as you said he was eating crab, I really wanted you to clarify that he was a seaside orphan. <laughs> I'm so happy it happened. Both ships started taking on water and crabs <laughs> and sunk to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. And I'll thank you not to bring it up in the presence of my wife. Here, love, grab your coat. We're leaving. The orphan grabbed an armful of crabs from the table. And I'll be taking these with me if it's all the same to you. <laughs> End of chapter. Oh, wow. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty hot. I thought I was riveting that. Ooh, Good job, yeah. Gerard. <laughs> That's my actual dad's name. Don't dox him, please. <laughs> uh, there's another chapter he wrote. And this one is just called... The Extremely Good Sex. (laughs) She opened him up like a dusty accordion (laughs) and worked her slender fingers into his, I won't mince my words, anus. (laughs) Her eager fingertips searched around for the full-sized piano keyboard that, when played correctly, would thrill his ass with wave after wave of debilitating euphoria. I wanted to unlock a secret door as well. (laughs) Her index finger brushed against an ivory key and it rang out in perfect pitch, just begging her to flick out a tune. She played the only song she knew. (laughs) This is brilliant, even though I know what's about to happen. (laughs) I've just remembered. Uh, I His know I know what the French horn is in that because it's an ass. But what's the what's the woodwind? <laughs> the woodwind. What what is in him making I that didn't noise? As- ascribe every instrument to a body part, unfortunately. Mm. In either case, <laughs> her playing his ribs like a glockenspiel. <laughs> his body juddered with sextricity. That's sexual electricity. As he experienced an entire tribunal of orgasms. <laughs> Four miles away, a judge, his mind overpowered by the psychic impact of the really good fucking, involuntarily slammed his gavel against his crotch over and over again. <laughs> here, here, he screamed for reasons unknown to him. Court of sex is now in session. Every every bird in the postcode burst into flames. And the moon pinged off course and fell into the sun. Kim Jong-un, who had been looking at the sex through his binoculars, immediately ceased developing nuclear weapons and began peace negotiations. The dead rose from their graves and ran towards the sea as fast as they could. A new country was formed where they fucked, and it was immediately made the head of the United Nations Security Council. The monstrous explosive force of the exceptional fucking ricocheted forwards and backwards and sideways in time, killing the dinosaurs and crashing seven different Hindenburgs in seven different dimensions. Within seconds, the Wikipedia entry for sex was replaced with a photograph of the spectacular fuck that they had done. And that night's episode of Game of Thrones was just every character on screen at once looking into the camera and smiling and applauding for 55 minutes. (laughs) Wet wipes, cried the man. Bring me wet wipes. That was it. (laughs) 
Jared's got a future. Yeah, your dad has quite the imagination. I know. Yeah. A little bit risque, I thought. <laughs> Especially What's when it the fucking started. <laughs> What's it like reading your dad's prose like that? Thrilling. Is it? Yeah, I feel proud for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was good. Has anyone else got features now? I oh. sure do. I'm, I'm tired from just, just the descriptions I, I of the exhaustive sex act. I need 15 minutes to get myself back together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I've got a feature up my sleeve. We should do a jingle. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Do a racist one. Do a racist one, <laughs> shouts someone. Log's got a racist one. <laughs> well, That's not racist. Irregular like the features of a foreign person's face. <laughs> <laughs> That's sure. a new racist. That's, that's a new that's racist. That's not what joke. I was talking about. What? <laughs> oh, I just, I just so what? I can improvise racism. What? It doesn't mean I'm racist. It's very good. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm mainly putting that in the audience, frankly. <laughs> well, I'm not saying anything else. Clearly, talking is a trap that you've all laid out for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know about anybody else. Here, but lately, I've been thinking a lot about Noel Edmonds. <laughs> On point. And uh, and Mr. Blobby and Noel's house party, which is strange because I was thinking about this, and then I, I went onto Twitter.com. It's a website. It's bad. And uh, I saw that Gavin Murphy of the podcast, but not of the room, uh, was uh, just posted about Noel Edmonds. And I think we have a, 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 a Noel Edmonds psychic link, which we don't have time to explore here. Derek Cora could not make it. Um, so instead... Through something of a revival. A Noel Edmonds, as it were. <laughs> he is. I think, I think he's in the news because his show's being axed. <laughs> so he'll love this. Um, so basically, I thought what we could do is, is, is have a, a feature, a little, a little script feature um, about Noel Edmonds. Because I started thinking about Noel Edmonds and Noel Edmonds' house party. And I kind of naturally then gravitated towards the next big question, which is what would happen if we lived in a dimension in which Noel's house party was the primary form of European government? <laughs> do, do I have a... F- script or am chair. I not allowed to do You've it got since one underneath your, your script chair thank you for everyone else noticing that but it was underneath me so it's not in my cone of vision so. <laughs> you're not a Metal Gear Solid guard I am a Metal Gear Solid guard <laughs> <laughs> we've been through this you've got to sped up 99.99 seconds before I fucking go back to sleep <laughs> so <laughs> sorry I've just got to get my phone to do what it wants to do fuck off Spotify okay Honestly, so, the potty mouth on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all the kids at home. So, now, this is what would happen if Noel's house party was basically the law. What if you could travel to parallel worlds the same year, the same Earth? I'm starting to see. What if you could travel to parallel worlds the same year, the same Earth, only different dimensions? A world where the Russians rule America. Or where your dreams of being a superstar came true. Or where San Francisco was a maximum security prison. My friends and I found the gateway. Now the problem is finding a way back home.
I reckon it was worth a bit of pain. Another job well done. I thought he was nodding at me as though to say, yes, it's okay to have a sip of wine. <laughs> While the music slowly fades out. I'm not your mum! <laughs> well, I looked at him so eagerly as though to say, yeah, that, that's, is that cool? Oh, fucking ace! Oh, thanks, mate! Okay, Fill back, your boots! Back to the script! You there! Stop! Wow, look at this world we've slid into. In this world, it seems like the Western government has fallen into a military-controlled fascist state. Wow, that's wild! How on earth do they come up with this stuff? I have two white knolls with improper trousers requesting an idiot blobby dropped on the area. Oh, yeah. Look at that. In this world, our simple blue jeans look weird because everyone else is wearing pink and yellow polka dots. Command, come in. I have two rogue knolls with clear intent to resist fashion. I'm not a knoll. My name's Joe. Knoll is your designated gender citizen in accordance with the three genders recognized by state. Knoll, Womnoll, and omni Knoll. <laughs> Now, both of you, put your hands above your head and remove your trousers. Oh, my God, Joe, look at this newspaper that just blew into my hands. <laughs> it says that in the year 2017, in this dimension, the entire of Europe is a superstate controlled by Noel Edmonds. Suddenly, out of nowhere, speaks a voice from the shadows. That's right. Noel's house party was voted into power in 1999, back when this place was still called the United Kingdom. Command, code pink. We have an active rebel in Crinkle Zone 1. <laughs> requesting immediate backup from all nearby blobbycopters. That won't work here, Edmund Scum. All signals jammed. The figure waves a small glowing device while slowly stepping out of the shadows. That guy seems familiar, but his face has been so badly burned. My God. It can't be... Grasping an oversized theatrical lever with both scarred hands, the figure yanks it right back, releasing a copious quantity of gunge from a secret compartment above the soldier's head. Boys, it's time to get your own back. Dave, Dave Benson, Benson Phillips! Phillips. <laughs> yeah, I guess people did used to call me that back in the old days. Now it's just Dave Bastard fill him up with bullets. Which is weird, because I mostly just drown people with gunge. I was wondering why you were pinning that man's neck down with your boot, but yeah, you're just drowning a man in an inch of gunge. People don't do that in our dimension either. I'll take a note of that in my dimensions diary. Hmm, drowning people is okay here. Steve Benson Phillips is not dead. Steve, you've got to stop telling people that they're already dead in our dimension. It's arguably quite rude. I'm already dead here too, boys. The big knoll got a price on my head. Five million blobby bucks for any information leading to my capture. I barely got out alive last time they got me. Had me trapped for interrogation in a big pork pie for God knows how long. Must have been months. By the time I got out, everyone I'd known or gunged was gone. I'm all that's left of the resistance. They interrogated you whilst trapping you inside a giant pork pie. That's ridiculous. 
actually the big pork pie was a regular feature in the original TV show of Noel's House Party, in which a member of the audience with an embarrassing secret was sat in a big pork pie, made to wear a lie detector, and questioned by Noel, actually. Oh my god, I thought that guy had drowned! <laughs> I think I'm pretty close to drowning, yes, but I'm also an invaluable source of facts about the TV show, Noel, TV show Noel's House Party, so the chance I might survive longer than slightly expected. <laughs> it's true, the big pork pie was a torture device from the old world. So was NTV. (laughs) (coughs) A light-hearted hidden camera feature in which Noel would watch people inside their house and then talk to them through the television. All fun and games until Noel is always watching. And even when he isn't, your neighbours probably are. Beat beat your neighbour. Beat your neighbour was a feature on the show that says families stealing as much as they could from each other's homes. With the, did I read that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the victor then keeping everything. Although if you ignore the actual premise and simply fixate on the phrase beat your neighbour, it, it definitely gels better with this currently projected dystopian vibe. <laughs> yes, thanks. Look, I, don't, I really am standing on this man's neck quite hard. On that same basis, I'd be remiss not to mention that Cash for Questions was always on, also on series six and seven of the show. And out of context, that might also have sounded Orwellian. <laughs> there was the gunge tank, too. I remember the gunge tank. Yeah, I think that covers it. I'll die now. Bye. <laughs> of course, there was a gunge tank. Everyone remembers the gunge from Noel's house party. But there used to be a time when other gunge thrived. In the early days, they said that anyone with appropriate references would qualify for a gunge tank license. Within six months, they revoked my license. 30 years, man and boy, building a legacy out of gunge, only to watch it all slide away like wet, thick, like a wet, thick kind of liquid that sort of oozes away. Oh, my God, Joe, look at this old newspaper that just blew into my face. It says that after a dive-in ratings in 1998, Noel Edmonds killed a man live on air, triggering a UK-wide lust for televised, gunge-based violence. But isn't that the exact plot of J.G. Ballard's Kingdom Gunge? Yes, but maybe not in this dimension. Sweet David Davis, read this! It says here that Noel teamed up with pop artist Damien Hirst, preserving Tony Blair in a giant vat of gunge! I don't know about art, but I know what I like, and I like dimensions where populist revolts have horribly murdered Tony Blair. Have you got a sound effect for that? I should never have doubted you. He doesn't need editing at all to make him sound like a terrifying helicopter monster. (laughs) It's a blobbycopter! Get inside! By the lines of Juicy Susan, that was close! Was that the actual Mr. Blobby piloting that thing? Don't be ridiculous. The real Mr. Blobby died in 2001. He was a good man. Now it's nothing more than a wobbly state puppet, a symbol of what this great country once was and everything rotten it's turned out to be. We should have stood up and fought when they came for Pat Sharp. (laughs) Not Patty. Not Pat Sharp. Not the Minister of Pat, the Sharpster. Mullet Man Pat. Pat Pat Go-Kart King. Pat the Man. House Pat Patty Patty Pat Pat, Patrick Sharp. And can I just say that the one thing you didn't do was do the spoonerism, Shat Parp. Log, when will you stop hating me for not being you? (laughs) (laughs) Let me live, Dad. (laughs) Be me or fuck off. (laughs) Steve, in this dimension, there's a tiny chance that Pat Sharp isn't venerated as an actual god. Pat Sharp was no god. Gods don't die. 
Not like that. <laughs> the Blob Squad came at night, took the whole family. Practicing gunge without a license, they said. It was never about gunge. They spent weeks rounding up all of the Funhouse twins. There is only... Okay, what's the Noel Evans impression? There, there, ooh, there is only one. There's only one house, and it belongs to me. <laughs> oh, my God, it's Noel Edmonds. <laughs> Except wearing an eye patch. Thank God you wrote into the script that... It was, yeah, thank you for taking that into account. <laughs> so you finally caught up with me, you wily old fuck. When TV is always watching. And I've also kept quite up to date with information from the two melon-sized orbs of energy that follow me around everywhere. Oh, bloody hell. He's a jeb end here, too. <laughs> it's insufferable. Every dimension is always the same. Noel thinks he can't die because he's made of universal energy. But I'm under attack from electro-smog that comes from Wi-Fi. Yeah, which, which, which I outlawed. And he thinks that his dead parents follow him around in the form of two positive energy orbs. That only appear in digital photographs, yes. Although I'd never realised... Yeah, yes, yes, they must be my dead parents. Central Command, come in. This is Omni-Null-Null. <laughs> Immediately suspend all funding for Project Daddy Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to break up this family reunion, but I've been waiting a long time for this. You know how many kids I had come to me in those days, looking for revenge? You know how many PE teachers I gunged? And did it make the world better? You know the worst thing about those days? The teachers who really deserved it, they never got gunged. The real bad guys wouldn't even agree to come on the show. And those kids, they thought they needed revenge, but they walked away from their show cold and twisted. The world can get their own back until we're all blue in the face with gunge, but what does any of it really achieve? So you aren't going to try and kill me, Dave Benson, fuck up? Are you sure? Is that your final answer? I still remember Chris Tarrant Edmonds. I remember who he was and what he stood for. You will not steal the man that he was. The house party has gone on for too long. It's time to put the cocktail sausages on the table and accept that this party is awake. Oh, piss. I can feel the universal energy leaving my shell. You're dying, mate. You got shot to shit. I'm not dying. I can't die. I'm just... I'm just... That's our sliders alarm. It means it's time to hop onto the blue plastic slide that allows us to slide into a different dimension. Dave Benson Phillips, why don't you come with us? There must be other dimensions out there where gunge isn't banned. It's no use, boys. Someone's got to hang back here to make sure this fucker is well and truly drowned. <laughs> All I wanted was a world in which people could choose from tiny red boxes, some of which might have only a pound or a penny. But one what? One box would have a million pound. That's called deal or no deal, Noel. It's a successful and fun television show in every dimension we've ever been to. Thank you. Such kind, positive energy, boys. No, Noel. Thank you. Thank you for drowning Tony Blair in Gunge. I'm still furious that he didn't have the balls to invade Iraq when he should have done. Such a pussy. God, I'm so mad. In the dimension that we come from, Steve is a real shit. Time to go now. Bye! God, imagine. I, I ended doesn't up... doesn't bear thinking about. Can I, can I just point out that if you think about this line for more than a second, it's incredibly dark. 
The teachers who never really deserved it, they never got gunged. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Much, Think about it. A much better way to get your own back would you invite them on the show and they get gunged. And then as they're getting gunged, everyone just stands up and says, right, we're done here. And everyone walks out of the room and it never gets shown on television. <laughs> it's like the cameras weren't even rolling, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you're covered in gunge. You got yours. Fuck you. Teach me about Oxbow Lakes. Fuck you. <laughs> so how many people here actually remember sliders? We have like five. Cool. Mm. Noel's, Noel's house party? Yeah. More. More. Who would have heard Quantum Leap? Oh, come on. That was, <laughs> that's the big time, isn't Route it? One. Route One's a quantum You did well to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully, Log has a feature now. No, impossible. Nah. Could it be? Nah. Could it be Log? <laughs> well, I was going to. You know, you know the hugely popular thing with us and the readers, the Quantum Meridian saga. Quantum Quantic Meridian saga. Well, <laughs> that's, that's, I know it's bad. That was the vocal we've, equivalent. All we've got to do is find a way to make it I less got bad. Less of a reception <laughs> sliders. That was the, the vocal I'm equivalent of three votes. That doesn't <laughs> apply to live shows. So you get something not Quantic Meridian. Oh, you are going to suffer next week. <laughs> uh, basically, I found out that it was one of the readers. Um, for want of a better word, birthdays. <laughs> and I, we so never well. celebrate the readers, do we? We never actually just fucking lift them up, make them feel like part of the podcast. Nope. <laughs> nope. You make it sound like that that's a potential cause, cause for badness. No. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm going to do a little... I feel like I should stand up for this. A fart? Yeah, honestly, I do not want to squirt on this this beautiful plastic chair. <laughs> oh, Christ, it's got run, it's got runnels. It would come out in a really pleasingly sort of artistic way. I wish I'd never said anything. Liam Richardson first entered my sphere of inspiration. Was Liam Richardson in the building tonight? There, there he, he is. is. Are it you was the one who asked wait. for a racist jingle? No, 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 no. Wow. <laughs> wait, does shame. Liam not know that this is happening? I don't know if I've his, ruined it. His girlfriend asked for it in the group oh, chat. wicked. <laughs> and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're just going to celebrate Liam tonight. <laughs> Liam first entered my sphere of influence. That's what I call it sphere. when you know me. <laughs> when I came across his Twitter profile. In it, he tweets belligerently about his low opinion of dinosaurs, who, from a historical perspective, can have done very little to directly antagonise him. <laughs> But that doesn't stop Liam, whose most liked tweet in 312 tweets is this. <laughs> Does anyone know where that meteor that wiped out the big idiots landed? I want to finger and kiss that bad boy. <laughs> the big idiots is what Liam calls dinosaurs. <laughs> I was so enamoured with his senseless passion that I decided to stand out his house and study his habits through his front window. Over the course of a week, I saw a number of intriguing and what I considered to be, to be very telling events. <laughs> on Monday, after watching tennis on the telly, Liam got excited and ordered a tennis racket off Amazon now. <laughs> it arrived one hour later and he began swatting his mum's ornaments off the mantelpiece. <laughs> then he chased his cat out of the living room, swinging at its arse. <laughs> then... Like in the first Pac-Man cutscene, he ran back into the living room scared, chased by a large cat holding a bigger tennis racket <laughs> in its mouth. 
On Tuesday, he was out of breath from a romantic candle-lit wank. <laughs> he tried and failed to blow out the candle, and then he put his finger in the air as though he had had a good idea. <laughs> he turned around and tried to put out the candle by farting on it. The resulting tiny fire burnt all his wank tissues and he had to go to bed with a spunky tummy. <laughs> Fact check. <laughs> Liam, how true? Painfully true. Painfully, Painfully true. true. Painful in the morning when it kind of pulled your hairs out your tummy. Oh, it's horrible, oh, that. No. Too real, too real. We, we went there tonight. That's like Peter Kay. That's so observational. <laughs> Spunky belly. Anyone remember? <laughs> On Wednesday, Liam ate an apple with such inexplicable imprecision that a pit went up his nose, causing him to sneeze on a mirror. He drew a penis in the mucus with his finger and then kissed the end of it. The lip, reader, the lip reader in my observation team is convinced to this day that while he kissed it, he was saying, I'm gay for snot dicks. <laughs> You're fucking disgusting, Liam. <laughs> I'm gay for snot dicks. <laughs> to, to, is, is what she actually said. I, I, I edited out the her for your dignity. <laughs> On Thursday... Liam frotted himself to completion against a stuffed brontosaurus. <laughs> I no longer know Liam's true feelings about dinosaurs, but feel sure that it is complicated. <laughs> on Friday, Liam saw a girl he liked on the TV, and he tried to plug his phone into the USB slot so he could speak to her. <laughs> <laughs> Like 4am babe station nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Interpreting her indifference as a rejection, Liam became disenfranchised and embraced the politics of hate. <laughs> By 4pm, he had gone full fash and was trying to organise a neo-Nazi march. Unfortunately, they all marched too close together and the goose steps meant that they all kept booting each other up the arse. <laughs> what I'm saying is that through the time I've known Liam, I can say that he is observably crap in every aspect. <laughs> Entirely unsuccessful at anything to which he turns his hand. And his ability to survive is so impaired by his innately lacking personality that every birthday he has is a real cause for surprise. <laughs> and celebration. <laughs> Liam Richardson, would you like to come onto the stage? I got your present, Liam. Don't come anywhere near me, you snot dick freak. Hello. Liam, I'd like to give you this as a present. Could you hold it up? You can. S that is. It's a be happy, and this whole feature basically is an exercise in can you go around. Poundland, spend less than a fiver and have all the props you need for a feature. <laughs> Look, it, it is important to be happy. I hold it up. It's important to be happy. I mean, he, he's a silly little bee. And that's what I want to know. And like, what I want to know, Liam, is how much do you know about bees? <laughs> do I need to point out to the readers at home that he's holding a welcome mat? A welcome map yeah. that says be happy and yeah. it's very much like that thing off The Simpsons with Ralph Wiggum, so you get it. 
It's wonderful. Thank you so much. So, How did you know I was so dear for snot death? <laughs> so, 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 game. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's written all over your face. <laughs> at in least snot on the, dicks. <laughs> <laughs> at least on the photos in my observation van. So, um, basically, what we've got here now is um, a fun game in which I put bee stingers into honey, by which I mean Nutella, and I learned at a late stage in the day that you are allergic to hazelnut. (laughs) 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 Yeah, That's true, isn't it? That's very true, yeah, that's very, very true. This is very much risk or reward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm willing to die. I don't know which way to... (laughs) I don't know which way to do this, but anyway, basically, because you need to be happy... In your life and relationship. What, do you have something to I say? I was thinking, should there be a sting surrogate? <laughs> Does there need to be someone to be stung who won't actually die? Steve, do you want to put this breadstick with Nutella on the end of it into your arsehole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to try. <laughs> there was one person at so, the back who said, do it quietly. <laughs> In a way that implied much pleasure. <laughs> so, well, let's get on with this, otherwise this could go on forever. Okay. How does a bee show happiness? Does he, A, dip his thorax into honey and rub his six little legs all over himself? Does he, B, clack his large mandibles together and slough his reptilian skin? <laughs> or does he see... Can you stop personifying bees? The way you endlessly project a two-dimensional version of your own feelings onto animals speaks to a hollow inner life. Can you get no pleasure from the happiness of other humans? What is it? A, B, or C? And I am holding up the potentially deadly stinger. <laughs> this, is, this is literally more bee-like than I ever thought this would be. I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've never had a question that has a, B, such importance. Um, I think that's C. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! In real, in the real world, that the fact that my breadstick broke, <laughs> leaving Nutella stuck to his face, that would mean I had died. <laughs> yeah, shit. So I can't believe it's, 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 just, it's still it's there, slowly sliding down your face, and you like that. Really, you look wonderful. Thank you. I'm gonna take that off. Um, I don't know whether me putting that on your face meant it was right or not. Basically, it's a joke quiz. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Question <you>. two. <laughs> The worker bees in a hive are all female. What is a typical day for a female worker bee? Is it A, cleaning, feeding the baby bees, feeding and taking care of the queen, packing pollen and nectar into cells, capping cells, building and repairing honeycombs, fanning to cool the hive, and guarding the hive? Is it B, tutting and rolling their eyes, and commenting on how similar human society is in that women keep everything moving, but the male drones get to do all the glamorous but largely futile work of flying around looking for queens. And don't get us started on the emotional labour of making honey for tie drones who actually haven't achieved fuck all day. (laughs) Or is it C, they use their tusks to burrow deep underground where they use osmosis to eat plankton? (laughs) Well, as you were already established in the part before this, I'm I'm a massive shit of a person. So it's B. It is B. It is it is B. That's what they do. And there is some more... I don't know what the boundaries in real life are anymore. How, why does is he this get, all right? Why does he get stung can I, sometimes? Can I, can I do He's not allergic to his skin. Did I make the point? I've met Lord twice. For less than 40 minutes. <laughs> 
Mm. Now, Combined. Once two years ago, once one week ago, and you said you were okay with everything except me poisoning you. <laughs> I, I regret Please. Is that still on my phone? <laughs> so Please smeared. don't get Nutella on the microphones, otherwise you won't get a deposit back. <laughs> <laughs> my, my apologies. So the final question. <laughs> well, these are really nice. <laughs> I, he can't eat it. He's allergic <laughs> to it. Yeah, I am eating it. Fucking hell, I'm not allergic. <laughs> Live life. Is he allergic to you him. eating it off his face? I've seen him <laughs> eat you bees. Eat it off his face? Question C. What is the biggest bee ever? <laughs> it is so big that its nose is the size and shape of a human wang that spunks honey. <laughs> B. It's so big that if it landed on your remote control, it could actually change the channel. <laughs> and all the... And although this is unlikely, it might accidentally change the channel to a program about bees. <laughs> and there's no way that the bee intended this, but you wouldn't be able to resist saying, oh, he wants to watch his friends on telly. <laughs> <laughs> or is it C, the mega chili Pluto bee at 33, 39 millimetres? Yeah, that's, that's B. I think the real answer, the biggest B... Is a capital B. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I will eat that for that. Thank you. You have spared him the indignity of being covered, festooned in poison. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that's it. You've, you've well done. You've passed the test and you've won your little thing. Thank but you. for now, I can't finally, pick it up. What I would like to do is, Steve, can you fuck off? Yolly, can you get up? Come on stage. Because what we like to do. Steve, are you taking your phone in case Yoli yeah. steals it? <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would, yeah. What we like to do on regular features is involve everyone. <laughs> and I'd like to... But you'd like you to think back to the day when you first met. <laughs> on your first date in a restaurant. What? Oh, no, that's fine. He can have me off oh. any old time. Steve, Steve, can you... I think this would be better if you put the um, Murder, She Wrote theme tune on. <laughs> <laughs> so much Nutella. Did you, did you stop eating Nutella of my first place? She is helping you. I mean, yeah, to be fair, she's saving my life. Slowly. Slowly. One day at a time. <laughs> Don't say I never do anything for you. Go on, let's start your first line, Yolly. Hello, my name is Yolly. Get closer. Hello, that is much closer. <laughs> Sorry, I just hit her in the face of the microphone. Okay. Hello, my name is Yolly, and I got both the tits. Boy, oh boy, what I wouldn't slap between those nice babies. P.S. My name is Liam. Before we start the date properly, here is a mystery sound. Well, I cannot abide a mystery. I will get to the bottom of this. It's okay, honey. Put away that magnifying glass and ear trumpet. It was a big juicy queef. <laughs> I thought queefs would sound more like this. Uh, can you do the tweef? Because I have Nutella all over my hands. Okay. I'll do your imitation of a tweef. That, that right? you were yeah, supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha.
No, no, no. They're more like... <laughs> Why is that the funniest thing on this whole episode? <laughs> My vagina is just hilarious. <laughs> Sir, madam, are you ready to order drinks yet, or would you like more time to make face queefs? He's saying my queefs don't sound right. I, I just thought I'd be a bit meatier. Oh, you thought her queefs would be a bit meatier. Perhaps I can help. I found this big biro case on the floor near to her fanny in this restaurant with no tables. <laughs> yes, that's right. I had a biro case up my fanny and the plastic let the air out in a less meaty way than usual because of the plastic. <laughs> I am profoundly uncomfortable. <laughs> no. It's about to that worst, Joe. My death is basically a viral pen, so that ready to that squint. <laughs> this is so accurate. <laughs> I don't want to make this weird, but do you want to get married here right now in this restaurant? Yes, I do. Nah, no. Well, it's okay to disagree. That is the sign of a healthy relationship. Thank you for your help. Go back to your seats. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Joe, throughout all of that, you look like somebody in a restaurant like waiting for someone and sitting next to the most incredibly awkward thing in the world. I mean, if you ever wanted method acting. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed oh, that in a feature which involved, for those listening at home, a feature which involved Log basically smearing Nutella over the face of a man who is allergic to nuts. The first time anyone on the stage really showed any kind of like audible worries when Steve mentioned we might lose our deposit for the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> You're bad boys. Can you imagine trying to get Nutella out of this? Yeah, it'd be fucking dense, man. <laughs> Shit. <Ooh. laughs> yeah, I can't believe how much I'm sweating. Yeah, it's hot. Is it hot? Yeah. Should we just oh. get out of here and go downstairs? Yeah. yeah. Well, can we have a, a birthday cheer for the dinosaur-hating bastards? With a- hey! Liam and Yolly. And yeah, we'll see you guys downstairs for a quick drink. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Have a lovely time. Bye. Bye. Love you. What do you want to say to me? Get on that microphone. Tell me what you want to say. What? Hey! That's not a problem. Never was.